broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre. This is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... guys and we are live here on youtube and twitch and all that good stuff thanks for joining us this is the pro wrestling rewind or the wrestling rewind on there to no media and phoenix 92.5 fm so if you're in the chat let us know what your favorite hardcore match is because uh that's what we're talking about this week dave welcome to the show sir how are you i'm doing fantastic welcome to the only wrestling podcast hosted by people that don't hate wrestling <laughs> I love that. That's the best That's... tagline ever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you're following us on YouTube and all that, you know, do the whole, you know what to do. Subscribe, follow. Smash that like. Bells. Hit that bell. That. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we'd, we'd appreciate it. Uh, also, you really know, would, though. Yeah. yeah, well, we have the chat here open as well. So if anyone's catching us uh, streaming, they can kind of jump in. But uh, this week's topic, I kind of said it offhand, Dave. And then... I really like was happy that we did it because I was watching the DVD and it's my favorite period of wrestling. Um, so, well, not even favorite period. It's just like it's such a fun time. Like you, you were texting me about it, and I'm like, "You're right. It's like the most fun period of wrestling there is." It's you had said this to me too. It's like you're watching a totally different show, yeah, almost than the product that's presented today. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which, the topic that we are discussing is the WWF Hardcore Championship. Um, we watched the history of the WWF Hardcore Championship DVD that the WWE put out in 2016. This is the DVD. It's it's really good. Thank you, uh, Fremantle Media and WWE Home Video and Amazon for fulfilling. Because I had I had the second disc. I had the second disc twice, thanks to, to folks out there. But I actually bought the DVD. So I could watch the first disc, so I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I feel like I've given them. I feel like I've given them money now to talk about it. You probably gave them more money than they put into creating the championship belt. Think about it that way. To be fair, apparently now here's the thing. I only discovered this recently. Apparently, the, the actual belt was created. Um, I think it was Mister Perfect. He smashed up the old uh, WWE belt, and that was the same one that they used over. So apparently, it's from the uh, Mister Perfect Ultimate Warrior feud from back in the day, and they oh, just wow. put. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I was watching. I was watching um, Vuso's channel. And I think he was talking about it, but yeah, like you can see, the belt is not pretty. It's not pretty no, at all. It's also up here on the yeah. on on the well that that way. That, that's Where, wherever I'm located. It's behind me. Yeah, yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah, it's not pretty. But I love it. You know, it's actually my favorite belt. To be honest with you, like I, if I was, uh, if I was in the WWE, this is the one. This is the division I would stay in. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a good chance of winning. You could be like Raven and win thirty nine times. That's three, it. That, whatever, that would that would be know? my goal. If I if I ever get into wrestling, because I'm getting up there now, so it's probably not going to happen. But if I ever do, just be Raven. That's like there you go. It's it's the best gimmick ever. Um, hey, DDP gives hope to all of us. That doesn't matter how old you are, you can still become a wrestling legend. This is true. DDP got in about fifty, right? He was up there, at least high 40s, yeah. And he ended up with like a bunch of title rounds, so fair play to DDT, uh, DDP. But what I will say is like, um, the DVD itself, right, is not the best WWD DVD put out as far as like, there's no story to it. It's like a, a loose a loose uh, collection of um, matches held together by a, a three-way discussion between Raven and, RVD and McFoley, 
Also, thank you to MonsterMutt93 who gifted uh, a sub to Rawzone1234. So thank you, MonsterMutt. That's fantastic. Um, And yeah, it's that's the first thing. I was like, there's no story here. There's just... There's a bunch of matches <laughs> held together by these three guys. And I th- I really liked it. I, I think that structure kind of worked. I love Raven in general. I love when he's actually talking um, about the business uh, from his perspective. And RVD is cool anyway. But there was a few things that was very good. There was a few things that straight off the bat. RVD uh, and Mick Foley have great chemistry. But... One thing that really shocked me straight off the bat was Brawl for All. We talked about that on last week's show. Yes. Brawl for All, they bring it up, and Mick Foley's like, yeah, everyone, you know, he, he provides more context to what was going on. And apparently, like, Bart Gunn did really well out of it at the time, and everybody, like, got him over. Same with Bob Holly. It got Bob Holly over, and people started, like, saying, oh, this guy's actually, like, legitimately tough. And that kind of brought in the hardcore Holly gimmick. So, the Brawl for All wasn't that bad, folks. <laughs> it actually helped a lot of guys as well so it was weird to see how all this stuff is kind of coming together as we're going you know as we're looking at uh, the past in context yeah I knew you were going to bring up Raw for Raw as soon as they mentioned it and as soon as they said you know did great things for Harker Holly's career even though he was eliminated in the first round obviously and they seemed to get a kick out of it uh, the wrestlers did so it definitely provided this was of course the WWE's perspective on it even briefly. Um, I will say that I did appreciate, we're talking about the little three-person segments that they had really randomly scattered throughout the DVD. No, no story to it. I like when no story Tommy to Dreamer, the no story. No story. But Tommy yeah. Dreamer must have been producing it. Yes. So he would like randomly cut back and it would go to black and white and you'd hear a voiceover <laughs> from Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I got a kick out of those moments too. I... I... Also, there's lots of ribbon. Al Snow gets absolutely like torn apart in this, and it's just like poor Al Snow. Um, but like, it, I think they did the best that they could. It was a weird choice having Raven and RVD there um, until like almost near the end of it because of when they came in. But I really enjoyed watching matches that I never seen before. So obviously, like I love the hardcore division like a lot, but. I, I would only go back and watch the pay-per-view matches because they're the ones you remember. But the right. fact these had like loads of SmackDown matches and Raw matches and even some like Heat matches, which I haven't seen in 20 years. So I was like, this is unbelievable. Even with the network, you just wouldn't be arsed going back. You're better off just kind of, you know, you forget they exist. And that Hardcore Holly Bob, um, Hardcore Holly Bark Gun match was actually very decent. Although I did appreciate Bark Gun looking like uh, the British, British Bulldog circa 1999 when he <laughs> came back with the jeans. And it was like, yes, yes, yes. that's when you know they stop caring when they just come out in jeans and they have no top on. They're like, yeah, I'm on my way out, guys. And then you win the hardcore belt or you can start competing for it, which is what happened to both those guys. That, that early period was very bizarre. Uh, in certain ways to watch because it seemed a little disjointed. They didn't exactly know where they were going to go with this championship. Um, And so when I started watching the DVD, my first reaction was, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever to slog through because this is seven plus hours worth of matches to watch. And what became readily, you know, readily evident as you were suggesting is that as you go along further with the belt and it's different phases, because you had your 24-7 phase, you had your legitimate defense phase. You see guys like Rob Van Dam, who I already have a lot of respect for, but I really gained a lot of respect for Yeah. Uh, in terms of just what he would do on a nightly basis. He, he's almost a um, like a Daniel Bryan type of guy who you can put him out there and he's going to do his best to have the best match possible with anybody. Um, and I would also say that Something else that stood out to me was it put into context iconic, if you will, WWE moments that I forgot were part of the WWF Hardcore Championship, one of which being the infamous Shane McMahon-Steve Blackman SummerSlam match. I always see that clip really? of Shane falling, really? but I completely forgot it had to do with this championship. You yeah. see, what, what's interesting about that is like... That... I don't even know if I saw the whole match, honestly, up until wow. I saw this DVD. Yeah. You see, that's the first WWE DVD I ever bought, believe it or not. And I say DVD. SummerSlam 98? SummerSlam 2000. 2000? Okay. Same pay per view with TLC 1. And the reason why I remember is because I was eight years old 
and uh, I've I got my communion money. Okay, oh yeah, I wasn't eight years old. Sorry. Uh, this was no, I was older than that. This was, I got it with my confirmation money, so I was twelve. Two thousand. It's supposed to been like twelve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was twelve, and I remember going into game, which is like you know before GameStop, and uh, I bought the DVD with my confirmation money. So I remember that very very clearly. Uh, as a thing but I also watched the, the VHS that I recorded and stuff a lot as well so I really like really remember that whole period and that was like Shane McMahon really getting himself over with like if it wasn't for the hardcore division Shane McMahon wouldn't really have got over as much as he did because this is when he really started moving away from being an okay in-ring guy to someone who's like well okay he's gonna pull it out there he's really gonna go for it and we saw shades of it the year pri- uh, previous in SummerSlam 1998 with te- his match against Test, but with Steve Blackman doing these crazy spots, I think I think this was the first huge spot that he did, like the first wow, this is unbelievable. How is he not dead? Spot, and of course it's when yeah. he gets hit with the the kendo stick and he falls twenty feet off the top of the the stage, and you're just like, or if you're Jim Ross, that must have been seventy five feet up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, it's not that high, but it's pretty it's pre- pretty high. But and least- actually, I I found Steve Blackman's elbow drop, which they usually don't show in like the little clips. Mm. I actually found that to be a bit more. Um, I don't know why I'm using this word bodacious than the uh, than the Shane McMahon fall. Yeah. Well, what was interesting? Some guts. What was interesting, right? Before we move away too far, uh, it's broken up in a three disc set, right? But if you have it on Blu-ray, it's two discs, and I have it on Blu-ray. So I the first two, two discs are on two discs. Yeah, exactly. So it's the first uh, two DVD discs are on Blu-ray. And what's interesting is it starts off with the with the intro of it the legitimate title as such. Well, it wasn't really a legitimate title, but it kind of just started being defended and took off when Mick Foley was gifted it. I didn't realise it was so ingrained in storyline there. Like, The Rock shows up in a hardcore title match. <laughs> Yo, the big bossman is wrestling Mankind, and you're like, what is this? You know, this is crazy. It's so high up, and then obviously it drops into the mid, mid-lower card. Um, and then you go to, obviously, my favourite period, which is Hardcore Holly versus Al Snow. I love that period. I think it's just brilliant. Um, and then it goes to Hardcore Holly. goes 24-7. want to go back to the 24-7 in, in a minute. but And then it goes to Steve Blackman, Raven, and eventually expands out with the ECW guys. And that's when you get some fantastic matches with Rhino and the ECW guys. And then it kind of rounds out um, after the Undertaker gets it. And rounds out in yeah. 2002. Like, The Undertaker had this belt as well. And he had one of the best matches of all time, RVD. If you haven't seen it, buy the DVD set or watch it on the network. It's from Ve- Vengeance 2001, I think. Uh, sorry. Yeah, it is Vengeance 2001, isn't it? Uh, Undertaker, one of the... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Vengeance uh, 2001. Say. Yeah, it's Vengeance uh, But 2001. nobody challenged Undertaker under the 24-7 rule. Yeah, well, that, that, mess with the dead man. That was how they got it over. That twenty four seven rule never really went away, with the exception of that Steve Blackman match when Mick Foley was like, "No, you're not going to wheeze your way out of it. We're gonna, we're gonna suspend it." Um, but one thing I will have to say about twenty four seven rule, and obviously this was the first time it was done. Um, it was some crazy matches, loads of interest and spots and all that kind of stuff. But even watching the, watching it again for this this review, you could see it ran its course. Very quickly. Yes. And even watching it like in, what, two hours, they do like two hours of 24 7 stuff, you get your fill of it very quick. Oh. And I didn't think that. Like as a kid, I remember thinking that was great. But now watching it as an adult 20 years later, you're like, yeah, this this needed to go away and needed to change it to something else. What did you it think did. of that? What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I thought that Mick Foley, rather than Raven, actually encapsulated that at the very end of the DVD. Because early on, they were trying to sell it like, oh, it's crazy that we're doing this 24-7 rule, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then they kind of admitted to each other. So how'd you feel once they got rid of that stipulation for it? And they were like, oh, my, it, was, it was time to go. It yeah. was just nonsense. You, uh, I guess Terry Reynolds winning the belt would be the best example. Of, yeah, well, of like... This- the nonsensicality of it or the battle royal in which there was something like 13 15 guys <laughs> that were on the belt i don't know like i didn't i thought it gave everyone something to do you know i think everyone involved yes it got them on tv when they wouldn't be on tv normally and the the, the spots that were there were very very creative but we've seen this again with the with the current 
24-7 title in WWE, where it's a bit of a joke, but it's solely a joke. Like, it has no legitimacy at all. At least this hardcore, this hardcore title did and could be defended based on who held it. And I think the ultimate example of that is, in the space of a year, you go from Joe WrestleMania to it being held by The Undertaker, and he's just killing people. I forgot how powerful that dead man gimmick really was. And it made me even more appreciative of the Boneyard match that we got this year at WrestleMania. Yeah. Because there was just so much more vigor and uh, more pep in his step. He still had that, as Ross would call it, that dead man mentality of you never make more motions than you need to, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But I really like that, seeing that side of him. Um, coming out to Limp Biscuit, I forgot how much I love that nonsense with the motorcycle yeah. and all of that. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it was fun. It was very fun. So, but it, it it's hard now because like like you're saying, we compare it to our current incarnation because wrestling, much like uh, regular history, repeats itself. Yeah, every twenty inevitably every does. twenty years, you got the same stuff yeah, repeating. Same yeah. storylines. It just happens. Um, so now we have the 24-7 belt, and I feel like it's already run its course, quite frankly. And I, I wonder, is it the hardcore element that made us appreciate the original concept of 24-7 more? No, I can answer that question. It wasn't the hardcore thing that, that appreciate. it was the legitimacy of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like the twenty four, I was thinking about this when I was watching it because immediately when I start getting bored at twenty four seven thing, I'm like, oh wow, this is really interesting. This is really something I didn't consider before, and now it makes sense because with the current belt being a joke, you're like, well, was it ever not a joke? And the answer is no, because it was. No. <laughs> I had no legitimacy. Like, yeah, okay, it was gifted the same way, McFoley said, here's the belt, and then it was kind of like scrambled out, North Truth and holding it. The thing about the hardcore belt. As I said, The Rock was involved. Mankind was involved from its very beginning. It had those big name players in it. Then it kind of went down again. But again, like belts don't elevate people. Talent elevates belts. And this happened even in 2001 when Chris Jericho was involved with Raven. Like Raven had one of the best runs of the whole thing. Remember, this was one of the best WrestleMania matches as well. Raven, Kane, and um, Big Show from X7. That's a fantastic match. If you've never seen it, guys, please do. Go back and it's, watch it. It's super good. It's super good, and it's one of those matches that you're just able to enjoy no matter what happens. Um, and you love the ending. Oh, the ending's it's great. One, it's one of the spectacle endings that you want at a show like WrestleMania, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Um, one thing that... I don't, know, like, I don't know why I'm teasing it as though <laughs> we're giving something away. This is history. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I'm sitting here like, hey, maybe you should check this match. <laughs> Well, look, you should. Here's the thing, you know, this is we take advantage, we take this for granted because we're, you know, up up at up at the age of thirty or such. But there's people probably checking this podcast out or watching. Don't remind us. me, Derek. Don't yeah. remind me. <laughs> there's people watching this podcast now or or uh, watching us live who maybe have never seen this before. They probably yeah. weren't born then. And yeah. you should go back and watch it because if you have the network, that's what it's there for. And also, this is something that is hard to really explain outside of context and to be fair with the dvd even even w- without any kind of setting it kind of shows that evolution where you can kind of really dig into it um and my favorite my favorite kind of like matches in this is this 2000 block after wrestlemania you know mm-hmm. in the space of what three months you have an amazing wrestlemania match kane's gone against stevie richards and absolutely killing him kane's gone against rhino you have probably the best hardcore match of all time with raven versus rhino at backlash 2001 that is my favorite match of the hardcore division and also it was repeated well, later it's on mystifying because oh, yeah. to this day i don't know how rhino fit his body inside the shopping cart Instead of that shopping cart, I don't, I don't know how it's possible. Well, they redid that. Rhino, bless him, has one of the oddest bodies that I've ever seen in life, let alone professional wrestling. Well, it's they re- creepy. They redid it in uh, TNA and during their feud. They actually redid this match. Oh, did they? Yeah, and it's it's great. And I, I wanted a horrible calls. And one thing that 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 I did forget that wrestling was like uh, the King calling right, matches. He says some horrible stuff. And one of oh the my called, gosh! Yeah, some awful stuff. Out. You're like, wow, man! You're just 
Oh my god. But one of the worst ones in context is where Rhino gets hit in the head with I think it's a chair or something. And um like it's a prob also completely unprotected chair shots throughout this. Oh yes. Like the lads are just taken in the head and you're like, Whoa. Um but it's just like he's like, Oh he just he's he forget he forgot his own zip code. He's kinda of drive to the wrong place when he goes home and you're like Yeah. Not yeah. good in context, King. Not good even then probably, but different time. Very much oh my different. Gosh. Like again, going I'm back so, to it's a different so show. Yeah, it's a totally different show. And I'm so glad you brought up the commentary of Lawler because that stood out to me. I during the mid 2000s we were in his like puppies phase that got annoying but I forgot just how overly vulgar he was yeah. but at the same time I found him much more entertaining as a personality yeah. during this time period oh yeah because I genuinely hated, hated him, him as a heel yeah. that was it yeah you're like I really really don't like you <laughs> you know in yeah. in the it, sense of that's what you're supposed to be he's a he is a heel commentator and he's saying some of the most horrific things you hear and I, I remember we were children listening to this and he's yes. talking and you're just like whoa this is crazy i i hope that jerry lawler didn't influence my opinion of women i'm not sure now <laughs> yeah i'm just like king like how were you married so many times but then you're like you were married yeah, so many so times, many times. I, this I makes think, sense yeah i think yeah, that's this the point. <laughs> but how did he keep convincing women to go with him it's like your opinion of him is horrific based on what you're saying and how you you know it's just it's it's unreal, you know. But um, he does have some really funny calls at the same time when he's calling these matches and he's running down the baby faces like a hundred percent, like he's just burying them. But also on the on the commentary side of it, one thing I did like uh, the lads would just come down and put on a headset and call the match, and that doesn't happen nowadays either. Well, it does in the performance center, but it doesn't happen normally. It's a very rare thing for it to happen, and this happens all the time. The amount of times that like Road Dog just shows up and calls the match, you're like, "This is brilliant! <laughs> you know, this is great! I like yeah. this!" You know, and you know what I especially liked about it is the fact that because it was so regular, it could have just been the wrestler calling the match. Versus nowadays or pre whatever nowadays is, you know, last year, mm. if a wrestler's there and he's calling a match, you immediately go, "Okay, he's going to interfere. He's going to do something." That wasn't the case. They would just come out and have fun and commentate on matches, it seemed like. Exactly, so, yeah. I, I, I like well, that aspect. One of the best things was from SummerSlam 1999 when Road Dog goes out with a Roman reporter with the mic and he's calling the match as it's happening and they're in a bar and they're in a the toilet and he's like, oh, I just, you know. And it's great. It's one of those kind of fun things. And that's what it is. Like, this whole era was so much more fun. It was fun. It was laid back. I think there was a certain... Um, people who are historians of the WWE and wrestling in general point to this as kind of a down period almost because the WWE gets a bit lax because we get into them acquiring WCW and ECW so they don't really have competition so they don't have to try as hard. But, but did, I don't really know if that's true now that I'm watching this era and I'm watching it in these segments. It's almost as though they had more freedom to experiment and do things because it wasn't, uh, is this segment going to take away from us getting ratings against them mm. and lose a war? It was, all right, let's try this. It might be terrible, but let's try this. It was almost, well, what, well, what we've mentioned, it was special, it was special. Well, but what we mentioned there, Dave, we haven't really talked about the buyout yet and the change. We talked about it briefly with the, the hardcore and the grand stage match after WrestleMania X7, which is when the attitude era kind of died and became its own thing. But, Everything before we said, everything we said before that happened during that competition phase, 98, 99, 2000. They were still, yes. ECW was still a threat. Uh, well, not threat, sorry, it was still a factor. WCW was still a threat. ECW is a threat. Well, I mean, um, they were secretly being paid by WWE. But well, here's the thing in context. Oh, wait, that, that's it, just a theory. It's no, a it's, proof. I'm sorry, it's it's a proof. Like, I, when you're watching it, Taz, Taz shows up and he's wearing the ECW belt and he's having a hardcore title match, and you're like, oh, come on, like. Yeah. Come on, you know, and this is not even the. This is around the same time period of the the title belt change, um, with Mike Awesome. Where we really start seeing what you're talking about, where the impact of ECW being gone and WCW being gone is the next part when we start getting all these ECW guys in, uh, involved in the the hardcore division. So 
Mike Awesome shows up, which I forgot Mike Awesome showed up and had a hardcore match with Jeff Hardy. I forgot. I always forget about Mike Awesome. No offense, Mike Awesome. Not like he's listening, but no offense. (laughs) You ever listen? Well, he's dead, so it's kind of hard to. So, Jesus. yeah, that's how much I forgot. Yeah, he's a terrible human yeah, being. Yeah, he's dead, so I don't think he's going to be listening to any podcast. Oh, no, that's no, rough. All right, but I forgot he was in the hardcore division. I, you know, he <laughs> had he had a really good match with Jeff Hardy in, in two thousand and one. Uh, one of the best matches of two thousand and one is also in this period. Jeff Hardy and RVD. He's still, you're, you're still cracking over it. I just feel like a terrible person. It's okay. It's fine. Like, that's, a, that's what that was like Jerry Lawler type of commentary. <laughs> and that's what we were talking about. It's that level. But, you know, and I'm not going to go from laughing about being an idiot to, I know you're keeping us on track, but that w- is one of the things that really struck me watching this was um, how many people that are featured, sadly, um, that we now know 20 years later, yeah. Uh, they're um, dead or they, they can barely walk. That was something that was very apparent to me. And you mentioned the unprotected headshots. Um, so we would protect, but for the most part, they're very unprotected. And wow. test, test, t- dude, test, oof. test took one, right? From Harker no, Holly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my Christ, put your hands up. Please put your hands up. You know, it's like, it, it, it still looks fine if you put your hands up, you know? It and does. he just, and he just. Every time Big Show took one, you would put his hands. And I mean, Taker. Just, oh. Taker. And Taker. Yep. The Rock. Even Austin. But yeah, Tess just like, yeah, hit me in the head. And you're like, please, please don't. You know, it's just. Don't. It's just, it, it, it's one of those things that you're glad changed. And we said that this is like a different product for better and for worse. Right, it's better because yes. the lads are looking after themselves, and we're not getting these crazy unprotected shirt shots. Worse that it it lost that like loose fun feel. You know, like this felt like a show that you could enjoy even not being a wrestling fan, which is why it did reach such a massive massive peak. This was culturally relevant. That's the yes. thing, you know. And this whole time period up on you can kind of mark really uh when the hardcore belt went away that's when i stopped watching wrestling really um and i i didn't realize that synced up quite well but i've said it before my my block period is from like late 2000 2003 into 2005 2006 um because i just lost interest and it's pretty much the shift in change it's shift in television you know um but as i said there with rvd and jeff hardy that's the first time rvd got over to a wwe audience Yes, and we had one. We had he had a phenomenal hardcore run. He really did a phenomenal hardcore run. Um, who was his match against? Where he? Oh, Taker. Yeah, he did the dive from the the concourse. I yep. mean, that was just in. Oh, it it put RVD on a different level, and it's funny because I don't because I guess I was twelve, and because I watched wrestling more sporadically versus like a weekly commitment. Uh, later, when I was watching it, one of the biggest feuds that stands out to me to this day was the Triple H Championship era, where he wrestled matches. Um, Harvey and Kane were a tag team, yeah, and they each had single matches. It's what eventually led to the unmasking of Kane. So this must have been two thousand and three, I guess. Two thousand three, it was yeah. Yeah. So um, RVD had a match against Triple H in the main event of Raw, and I went, "Wow, this is a legitimate." Main eventer, Rob yep. Van Dam. And then going back in time, I saw this match with him against, like you said, with uh, Dead Man or Raven. You're going, this guy is legitimate. So by the time you get to ECW One Night Stand, which is not connected in any way to this championship, but and you see the heat that John Cena gets and the ECW vibe and all of that. I'm sorry, let me say uh, One Night Stand 2006. He was injured from 2005. Um, that match, to this day stands up not only as one of my favorite WWE matches in terms of the match itself, but the crowd reactions that Rob Van Dam was able to get, it's just unparalleled. That's one of the things that made me really thankful for this period. Like you were saying about how, you know, lower tier guys would get over. You would have the entire crowd chanting, we won head. For you know, yeah, um, for Al Snow and that stuff. was it. Like, like that was, yeah, this got everyone. This got all the guys involved. Over, like it was one of the things that I guess I think Russo was gone by this period, obviously. But it's one of the things that Russo during the Attitude Era would focus on, which was I want 
every character that's on television to have a storyline. Well, it's funny and you say that, back, Dave. Well, if, sorry, just to cut across you, he wasn't gone. Yeah. He wasn't gone by 1999, 1998. He was gone in 2000. So during... So he was... That would actually make perfect sense yeah. then, yeah. So uh, during all these matches, during what I've already said is my favourite period for it, all the guys had something to do. They all had characters. Yeah. This was designed for... In a very well, it wasn't designed for, but it was reworked into a way to get people over using very safe, uh, not safe working wise, but safe in for crowd pleasing uh, gimmicks, you know, to hide stuff. So, look, it, it's yeah. not getting over, go out and hit each other with cookie sheets, you know, and it'll be entertaining. And it was, and it is entertaining, yes. you know, it's it's uh, knowing what we know, it's kind of concerning, but you know. Yeah, it still is what time, it is. I, I always used to think that the cookie sheets getting were smacked fake. in the head with, well, not that they were fake, but just, come on, they're cookie sheets. How much can that hurt? Even though I've been in, you know, industrial kitchens and I know how thick those things can be. I mean, they would use a, a lesser quality, but still getting smacked in your head with anything. Like when um, there's a spot, I can't remember who was wrestling. It might have been Bradshaw where Jericho grabbed two trash can lids and just did like back and forth swinging at his face. Yeah. That happened and a lot. That was, was Blackman move yeah, as well. Yeah. Blackman move. And I was like, Oh my gosh, first of all, that's ridiculous. Second of all, never in my life, aside from on Sesame street, have I seen these garbage cans? I don't know where they come from. I've never seen them on the street, on the curb, at a friend's house in, in, in 30 years of life. I don't know what, these type of trash cans are used for other than television. Other than, other than professional wrestling, usually. Yeah, wrestling and Oscar the Grouch. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like a lot of these, it's weird. When you're watching it as a kid, your brain is doing a lot of gymnastics. Definitely a lot of mental gymnastics. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this isn't real. You know, this is, that can't hurt so much. And then you're watching it and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that stop sign hurts a lot. You know, and you're just, yeah. yeah. Oh. There was a line Jim Ross had where he said, yeah, they teach them how to fall. But uh, how do you fall like that? Or how do you fall off a 10 foot ladder? You're like, yeah, yeah. that's true. Like yeah. there's, there are some nasty spots in, in these matches. It's weird though, right? It, it never felt, none of these matches felt like they were. Unsafe. Yeah. They never yeah. felt like they were mean spirited. Mm-hmm. Right, no. with the like, you, okay. For example, if you stick on the I Quit match with Mankind versus The Rock from nineteen ninety nine, I can't. It's, I can't watch it. That's horrific. I, I like, can't that, bring myself to watch. That's it. a horrific match. The Rock probably should have, you know, went to jail for a bit for what he did to Matt Mick Foley. You know, I mean, he wasn't New Jack. No, it was up there, and I like The it Rock. Was up there. But I, and if you read, I know we've both read. Uh, that particular book by McFoley where he talks about those chair shots and apparently The Rock just went off and hit him an extra like nine times, times. in the head unprotected. Yeah. Unprotected. And it's, but his hands are handcuffed and from by behind. his back. Yeah, that, that, you're with me. That's exactly what I was going to say. That chair shot to the back oh. of the head unprotected. I, I oh. it, It's horrible. It's horrible. It's like, I, I, that's what I mean, right? So that, that's one level that felt legitimately awful. But when you're watching these matches, they're, they're fun. And I know it's comical, yeah. I, I know yeah. it well not even comical, but they're sometimes sometimes early on they were comical. Yeah, but and then and like we were saying, then we saw the progression of introducing more high caliber I, I feel bad using that word, but more high profile athletes mm-hmm. that wanted to legitimize it. Like that's how RVD looked at it. I want to legitimize this belt. Yeah. And, uh, but and, it was it was comical at first. I mean, come on, Crash Holly. Crash <laughs> Holly was great. Crash Holly, for those who are unaware, essentially was the R Truth of the late nineties. Yes, but with more character, you know, like uh, yeah. uh, everything he did kind of made sense. He had this small man complex, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I I only want to wrestle guys who are for, like super heavyweights." And that's yeah. why he carried this guy around. And what I like about this is it it's like the it's the missing piece. This 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 division is the missing piece of the WWE. Like I know when we used to do desk, Gary and myself would say we need a mid card title. And this is what we were talking about. Not exactly this, but something that serves this purpose where it, it sets it sets the table. It's the it's the it's the butter in your sandwich, right? Where it holds the two pieces of bread together and they meet together. And, you know, if you don't have it, you're going to, everything still kind of works, but yeah. you're going to have a dry sandwich. And WDB is a dry sandwich. 
without one of these kind of belts, you know, to use a very, very yeah. loose pun, right? And that's kind of what it feels like. Because, like, here's the thing, right? During the commentary of these matches, this is when the commentators will talk about the bigger storylines. But oh the guys gosh. in these matches were also somehow involved in it. And that's the thing. There's this, like, synchronicity throughout the whole show that just isn't there now. And it's it's really, really annoying because you're like, how did you do it so well at this point? And now you can't even put it together with, like, loads of writers and millions of dollars and a much more yeah. secure position. I just don't understand it. It's kind of... Cr- but... I don't know. At the same time, it makes sense, right? This is what Russo always talked about when he went to um, TNA, for example, and he walked in, or no, I'm sorry, when he came back to WWE and he walked into a writer's room with 12 people, he was like, whoa, this is never going to work. I mean, it used to be he would sit down with Vince, they would write out storylines. I don't know if it's because there's an oversaturation of the product. There's more wrestling from this one company in a week than I can watch, quite frankly. I'm lucky if I catch like three hours worth and that's just fast forwarding through stuff versus at that time everything like you say was woven together it was interconnected there were (laughs) one of the things i loved about this dvd is it reminded me of storylines i'd long forgotten about um (laughs) i i I think i actually texted you early on in the dvd they make mention of mark henry having sex therapy and his revelations (laughs) which i won't get into but his revelations that came out of that i mean just oh but see the most ridiculous stuff but at least he gave a character to guys that currently what are they doing they're just running around they're just guys you know at least at least there's a storyline they're just guys they purpose you know Uh, but that's the thing right like watching all these like pick one at random um, I'm I'm looking at the match card here. I'm going to pick one at random, uh, and I'll probably be able to tell you the context. Uh, X Pac from July 2000, right on a, a random SmackDown match. This fed into his uh, feud with Steve Blackman and his personal rivalry with Road Dog. They were able to get that over outside of a match, and it kept you going. Also, by the way, always wanted that um, hockey. Degeneration X hockey jersey. Oh yeah, I just always wanted it. I'm like, this is great, and it's gone. Please bring it back so I can buy it. I didn't have bring back everything else. Yeah, I didn't have eighty dollars when I was ten or twelve. You know, now I now I do. So (laughs) you know, um, we can afford it. We can afford it now. We have adult money. Um, With adult money, we don't have our kids yet. Yeah, exactly. So we're good for the next couple of years, and then we don't have to buy them replicas of these. (laughs) belts you know here's the thing they never actually did a hardcore replica belt and i don't know why they no. didn't like i saw well i've seen fan made if you want to call them that one yeah. listed on ebay but no yeah. as far as i know there's no official one i think they missed the, i think they, i think they missed the bow on this like to be honest with you i think it's just one of those things where it's 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 a license to make money because people are going to buy it um, like people like because I, I wouldn't I, look, I would i'm personally i'm not a replica belt kind of person i I wouldn't buy one, but I would buy a hardcore belt because it's cool, you know, like legit. But I, it wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be my thing to go out and buy a belt. But um, I don't know if I would buy it. You know, it's just well, look, it's as I said, it's just one of those kind of things that even if, even if you're not a wrestling fan and someone walks in and like, what the hell is that? You're like, well, let's watch this DVD and then they never come back over again. So there's very, <laughs> very few wrestling things that I buy yeah. um, just to have like memorabilia wise. I think mm. this gives away my fandom some, like one of them is like, I, Oh, what the- oh you disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Much, much like his tag team partners. <laughs> it disappeared. Like I, you know, WWE 2K19, I bought as a physical copy, not as a digital copy. Right. I have one too. AJ, yeah. and I I don't know where he is right now, but I keep two things on my desk with me, um, and one of them is a Tony Romo Christmas ornament because I'm a big Cowboys fan. Means okay. nothing to you in Ireland. Sorry. Nothing. Yeah, it's okay. nothing. Nothing. Not, not no, at all. Not we one can talk thing. About Lionel Messi later or whatever. Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea. I don't know. Fair. Fair. The relation. Um, and the other is I have little figurine of uh, AJ Styles. Oh wow. Like, those are the only two things that I I keep on my desk. Have you met so, Have you met AJ Styles? Have I met him? Um, I've been within 10 feet of him. I don't think I've ever... Oh, that's weird. I don't think I've ever had gotten a picture with him or Cause, cause, seen him. Because at... I know you've met like pretty much everybody, dude, in the indie scene. You're just like, just <laughs> yeah. random pictures. It's like, oh, there's Dave with like Ricochet and Tommy Dreamer and yeah. <laughs> just, like, everybody. It's crazy. No, I've met AJ before um, in TNA a bunch of times. Just, you know, 
because of TNA yeah. and you could just meet everybody. But yeah, yeah so it's cool. I, when I went, to, I went to a TNA house show back when TNA could afford to do house shows. Um, <laughs> and maybe AJ wasn't on the. Maybe something was up and AJ didn't come out because I have like I have a picture with Earl Hebner from that. Oh really? Yeah, he that, that, like Kazarian and Curryman with Christopher Daniels. So yeah. And AJ, I'd obviously get. So I don't know. The only person I didn't get a picture with was Kurt Angle. And that's because he wanted 20 bucks for a picture and everybody else was giving him out for free. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no the, the best one is, um, let's go off topic. When Jeff Hardy was. And we are off topic. We're talking about getting pictures. We're off topic. But when Jeff Hardy was going through his legal problems before, like somehow he was able to get like travel visas to come over to Europe. And then the one year he wasn't. Um, they they like wrote it off the injury, but I still have the poster over there of um, you know, Sting has replaced them, and I, I I was just like, this is brilliant. I need this, so I I took the actual like proper. I'll post it up on our Instagram later and our Facebook, so you can guys have a look. But um, I'd love to see that. Yeah, please uh, do. It's super good. It's it's my favorite bit of wrestling memorabilia I own is that poster because I think it's just the funniest thing ever. Trying to work everybody, but everybody knew what was going on. <laughs> it was just like. This is ridiculous. Um, I, you but, know, that was one of the things, because Jeff Hardy was involved in a couple of these feuds. And yeah. A, it reminded me why so many people are huge fans of Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. Because, he, I mean, he's a phenomenal worker. But oh, at unreal. the same time, I'm, look, I'm watching these matches. I'm like, I don't, this is not a good period in this dude's life. No. But this see, again, not, even in his TNA stuff, man, his TNA career oh. was all this. And this is oh, sorry. This is before he he had the championship. This is like when he was fired from WWE, two thousand three, two thousand five, um, and he had was having really good matches in TNA. But the guy was a train wreck. Uh, you know, well, he you, did try and come into that dome. That didn't go so well. Oh man, that was like what two thousand eleven, <laughs> the bull hole of doom. Big, yeah, it was like big yeah. debut that like, on the uh, Monday night. Wars, the one that wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was great. Again, one thing I miss in rest of you is been able to go back and listen to Hunter Golden's rant on that. Um, fantastic stuff. You know, I, uh, so my my role at that time, my character was defending TNA. So uh, my shoes. Well, I, I actually was defending TNA at that point, like legitimately, and it was very difficult. So it was just it was hard, you know. But what I will say is. For anyone who hasn't seen this DVD, right, or, or is unfamiliar with this time period, it's one that kind of gets lost. Um, and what yeah. I mean, what I mean by that is, the star powers of this were huge. The Rock was at like by two thousand, The Rock and Triple H were carrying the company because Austin was out. And was that the was that the Austin holdout period? No, this when Austin was injured. Injured. Yeah. He didn't come back until Unforgiven two thousand with the because he I got neck surgery. Right. Um. Uh, but like the rock taker and um, triple H were carrying the company basically. So it's very easy to forget that there was all this massive undercard doing these great things. And it's why these shows were so good. And it's why the ratings were what they were, because it provided more than just one match. It provided more than just one segment that everybody liked. You could sit down and watch an entire episode of SmackDown and not feel bored. You could, enjoy, and, right. I know, and I know it was two hours, uh, like SmackDown was an hour at one point, and it was extended to two hours, the same with Raw. But um, it, it wasn't. But the Raw was only two hours. It was, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I know that's, you know, something that's hard to remember in this post. Oh my gosh, when did they move it? 2013, 2014? Yeah. 2014. Um, but yeah. oh my gosh, Raw was so much better because it was more concise. It was so tight, and just everybody, everyone felt like they were doing something. Everything felt like it was worthwhile. And when you're going back and watching it, I, it's kind of sad because you're like, I'm not going to get this again. When I watch Raw on Monday, I'm going to be sad. Or tonight, because we're taping this on Monday. Um, I'm going to be like, oh, jeez. It's going to be... And it's not just because... Like, the crowd reaction as well. The crowd's in this, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it, look, I'm sorry. Wrestling without crowds is kind of weird. But the crowds in WWE audience nowadays kind of suck compared to these crowds. These these crowds were part of the show, you know, with their signs and their chants. And, you know, it was a totally different atmosphere. Again, like, what happened? These people grew up with it and they just stopped doing it. I, I think um, it was the whole shift in the wrestling mindset of, you know, uh, wrestling sports entertainment. It's not wrestling, honestly, is I think what caused the shift in the crowd reaction. I think... Fans now 
they we, so we went through this period in the mid 2000s where you wanted to know what was going to happen. SmackDown was pre-taped, so you mm. wanted to go to your favorite wrestling site and print out the results so you could tell your friends and spoil it for them so they couldn't enjoy it at home that night. Like that was just the mindset. Like the I, I don't know when the term was officially coined of like a smart, you know, your smart mark, which is ridiculous for all marks, yeah. no matter how smart you are. Um, even wrestlers are marks for themselves. Of course, um, they're, they're usually the big, so, dude. They're usually they, the biggest marks for themselves. Come yeah. on, let's be real. And you gotta be. Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the best wrestlers that there've ever been have been the biggest marks for themselves. Dude, dark, um, dark sided ring. We talked about it last week. Right. The, last week's one with the slap haired around the haired around the world. That was literally because yes. Doctor D is a massive mark for himself. Please don't kill me, Doctor D. Um, but like, yeah, he's a huge mark for himself. It's just the way it is. A huge mark for himself. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I did watch that and I didn't know if we were going to get to it. We can touch on it for a couple minutes. Um, one of the things, quick recap, people didn't see it. John Stossel, I mistakenly said Geraldo Rivera last week. I was thinking Ben Wastoff. Mm. Um, John Stossel was doing this, these exposés, went to wrestling, specifically WWE, got a guy who told him some secrets. Then he went up to <laughs> Dave Schultz, which is a terrible idea. Uh, but even though Vince is the one who sent Schultz out there, yep. um, and he asks him the question you should never ask, which, you know, is is this real yep. or not? And so Schultz slaps him in the face once and then slaps him in the face twice. And then Sassel says he has, like, tinnitus or hearing problems for years. I don't know, whatever. Um, but it just goes into how you buy into your gimmick and how Schultz was on screen and off screen a guy who believed in kayfabe when he yeah. started in wrestling and was being trained, they didn't even smarten him up no. right away and let him know wrestling's fake. They had him because they, 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 that's, that's what they did. I mean, you can go to Hulk Hogan with Hulk Hogan initially went to be trained to be a wrestler. They broke his arm in one of the stretch sessions. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's how far they would take people to kind of keep the business secure, if you will. So for somebody to go pompously in there and try and do an expose when that's your livelihood and you know, this, I don't think an entertainment product is the same as selling vitamin supplements, yeah. you know, and claiming that they're going to give you new brain powers. So I don't know. I just, that, that, that period, that time, that dark side really shocked me, but what shocked me more is some of the fan reaction to it. I don't know if you followed any of it on Twitter. No. But people are saying, oh, it's horrendous. He was basically blacklisted from the WWE. No, he wasn't. WWE gave him tons of opportunities. He gave tons of opportunities to work in places like Japan and all of this. He could have kept going. He that just, that he was want, on him. He wanted to be a bounty hunter. Yeah, Make him more money that yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think with him, the the business kind of changed and he didn't change with it because what like two years later Vince came out and said hey it's all fake and he's just like oh well there you go you know and it's like the thing about it is you know I don't that clip was so weird to watch yeah look I don't I don't watch watch. look I don't watch wrestling because I think it's real no I don't know anyone who does and if you do one I don't think you listen to this show (laughs) but spoiler yeah but I'm, I'm like you're in for a bad time, man. You know, it's like, it's an entertainment. It's like anything else. It's like watching a good TV show. And like, wrestling hasn't been that in a while. Actually, with exception of WrestleMania. But what we're talking about, this, this is your TV show. This is like the best series of the TV show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's all just there for you. And that's what I mean. But, and look, and what I, what I mean <laughs> to say is, if wrestling had have stayed the way it was, under the kayfabe we wouldn't have got stuff like that no we wouldn't because they would have been too hokey for people to believe because i think it was dark side of the ring where they said during that time period about a third of the audience i don't know if it's if it's true or not but they claimed that about a third of the audience still thought that wrestling was real mm. during that time period so maybe that also could have gone into the crowd reactions that we were talking about earlier i mean maybe there was more of a connection to them i remember i was i was working uh, in college, I was working at a theme park and like doing like the games, you know, and, like mm-hmm. that nonsense. You play like the water games and yeah. shoot baseball shooting games. And the only shirts that I would see for wrestling, this was like 2008, were like Jeff Hardy shirts from the Attitude Era or from this period. Mm-hmm. There was something about him that just connected to your blue collar worker. But I think everyone connected to it. Like, think about yeah. it, at this time period, 
NWO shirts for I remember going over to the, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. going over to the States, man, and like we never saw we never had NWO shirts over here during the time excuse me, during the time period. Um because couldn't WCW didn't really have that much of an impact here, but I remember going to Florida and W shirts were uh, NWO shirts were everywhere, everywhere. You know, Austin shirts were everywhere. Jeff Hardy shirts were everywhere. Undertaker shirts were everywhere. And you know, that Austin three sixteen shirt. Yeah, I mean, but that, I, like oh as you said, gosh. this was what two thousand and three, two thousand and four when I was over there. So again, yeah. they, they weren't new shirts. They were shirts yeah, from, so lots from of that time Wash shirts, probably. Well, probably. He, he, I, I he, he didn't see any. I didn't, didn't see any, but um, it was crazy. And I think it's, again, wrestling was a thing. Wrestling was a, a mainstream, uh, impactful thing where everyone knew what it was. You know, even to this day, you say wrestling, people are going to name The Rock, Undertaker, uh, probably Mick Foley, but definitely Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then Hulk Hogan, James, James Haystack, all the kind of stuff. They're going to know those people. Uh, yep. They're not. They're not going to know who Daniel Bryan is. They're not going to know no. who. Um, who's the champion now? Your man, big guy. Um, these hands. Can't <laughs> my remember, man, big guy. I can't remember his name. It's, I don't Braun Strowman's Braun Strowman. my guy. <laughs> he's my guy. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, my favorite wrestler is like AJ Styles. No, no, Braun Strowman's my guy. Okay, yeah. I will admit I popped when he won the tag team championship at WrestleMania Fair. with the kid. I thought that was fantastic. Like, I like the comedy and stuff like that. I mean, mm. to, to value the belt. Oh, no, I was, I was sorry. I was using a colloquial Irish phrase there, Dave. Your man being for the oh, first time. Oh, okay. Not yes. your, not your yes. specific okay. guy. Not your specific guy. Okay. That's a colloquialism. Sure. Um, but yeah, no. Sure, Derek. Blame <laughs> on your culture. Whatever. Uh, or, but uh, no, Brad Like that's what I mean. Like you wouldn't know these guys. You know, if you just go up some randomer, they're going to be like, "Who right. is that?" And that's just one thing that we lost. You know. But um, look. To wrap things up, Dave, because we are hardly getting to the hour, and it's uh, I can't believe that this flies by, flies know, by. It's, it's crazy. So much that we want to. Talk. That's why we kind of jump all over with our topics. Maybe yeah. I'll start writing outlines or something because there's so much to cover. We will so start doing it. Do, so, we will yeah. start doing it next week. We're going to talk about Money in the Bank because it's the it's yes. the the wrap up to Money in the Bank. It just happened, so we'll have watched it and we'll uh, talk about our top Money in the Bank topics, uh, wins yeah. and what all that kind of stuff happened. Guys, if you want to get involved, do. Nerdtonomedia at gmail.com. We're really active on Twitter, really active on Facebook now again. So I'll um, respond to any of your comments that you put under our YouTube video. Oh, so yeah, Dave's all there. over that. If you want to put questions, yeah. Dave's all over that. Questions that you have for Money in the Bank, et cetera. Definitely. And, and then we'll, uh, we'll, be able, we'll be able to go. But obviously, if you want to catch us live, we stream at the same time every week, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern or 6 p.m. Irish, British time. And uh, yeah, so Dave, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap this up, sir? Uh, just my fan and it's starting to get warm here. <laughs> no worries. Um, okay, guys, if you want to check out our show, go over to nerdthrownmedia.com. Um, all the details are there. Nerdthrown Media on YouTube, Nerdthrown Media on Twitch. All the good stuff. Until next week, this has been the Pro Wrestling Rewind. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. Alright, so you're listening to the podcast, you're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland, how do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nerdthnowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Nerd to know Media everywhere. Nerd to know Media on Twitter. Nerd to know Media Instagram. Nerd to know Media on Twitch. Nerd to know Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon.